0: Hey everybody, we back again We back
1: Like a Hot Pocket, we back
0: I'm Spencer And that's our licensed clinical therapist And uh, Hot Pocket (laughs) enthusiast Nazir
1: Hello Okay,
0: (laughs) Uh, moving on And of course we have our special guest today She's a licensed clinical therapist Welcome back Vicky Hey
2: Here
0: (laughs) she goes (laughs) Just went full black woman on us. Thank you. Appreciate that. No masking here. Hey. Like, right. I like a chocolate. Hey. We're not on an episode of Martin. Let's move on. Uh, oh, my God. Hey, I like Martin. This is a different spectrums podcast. We talk about movie shows and mental health. We also have some laughs, so don't take us too seriously. Or do whatever uh don't forget to also to run up those likes we'd really mm. appreciate it
1: mm-hmm. yes everyone likes a good thumb
0: <laughs> moving on today we are talking about the show watchmen i'm going to dive a little bit deeper into what the show is after the clip, but the clips that we are watching today um have to deal with trauma uh, masking, rage, um, and even generational trauma to kind of go with that, with the trauma. Um, so we're going to be taking a look at a couple scenes scenes. Uh, Naz, anything before we get into the clips? To uh,
1: so, uh, be a deeper pod today. I'm um, probably going to miss a lot of things. Uh, we mean, don't disrespect by that. It'll just be hard to touch everything in, in all three of these scenes. I want to do multiple scenes in this one. Uh, so we're going to do our best to Therapeutize some stuff, talk about some stuff, do some historical stuff but I'm not really sure where the pod will go I'm excited about it If we left something out, folks, you got more questions Shoot us a thing in the comments, we'll get to it Other than that, let's have a good time Check out the scenes, folks It should, uh, uh, trigger warning But there's going to be a lot of racial violence in it Um, so there's going to be some killing in it And racial violence Trigger warning for that Prepare yourself for that uh, and then we will go from there. So uh, follow us. Much appreciated. Subscribe down below. Uh, we're going to get to the ad and then we'll talk about merchandise and, and donations and all that. we we'll, we'll talk about that after after the commercial for Cracked Chicken. All right. <laughs> like, no. Let's get to the scene. Whoop, whoop. Boop, Just woop. Get to the scene. <laughs> whoop, whoop. All right. June
3: Thank you, officer Thanks for coming
1: today It's a lot to see your friendly face
2: I was there for work, not here
1: So, why are you writing your story about me?
2: Because the Amsterdam says a Negro cadet making the forces big news
1: So, I'm big news
2: You're big something But it ain't news,
3: officer
1: You gonna keep calling me that?
2: If you don't want me to call you officer, you probably
1: should have chosen a different line of work. All right. Let me have it.
2: But you have what?
1: I know what you're thinking.
2: What am I thinking?
3: I've joined the enemy. The police in this city smother our people under their shoes. Lieutenant Battle is a Tom, and now I am a Tom, too. They just hired me for the publicity, and besides all of that, you worried about me.
2: They gave you a gun and a stick. That's what I'm worried about. What you're gonna do with him. Because you are an angry, angry man, William Reeves. I'm not angry.
1: It's
3: okay. Most of us are.
1: I'm young. I'm healthy. I got the job I always wanted what have I got to be angry about folks were murdered
3: right in front of you right in front of you the whole time
2: all of them. your mother
3: and your father that was a long time ago I don't want to live in the past
2: and that will Reeves, is why
3: you are so goddamn angry blown away i am without my love no laughing friends deride tears i cannot hide Like you. No. 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 Stop. Daddy, no. please. Stop. No. 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 No.
1: Stop. <sighs> Marcus, he was. <sighs> I was just trying to take it off. You can't take
2: it off can't ever take it off. It's not true. I can't take You it off. can't. You need to hide under that hood, because you can't stand to see what you become. I'm still me. Which me? You never should have done this. I thought it would help you get rid of this thing you have, but you didn't get rid of it. And just fed. We need to go. Now, we need to go home to Tulsa. No!
3: Show me. I told you she was gonna try. I thought she did. Please, let me see it.
2: What did we tell you last week? And the week before that? I have to wait till I'm grown up.
1: People who wear masks are dangerous, Angela. And we should be scared of them. Why? Well, they're hiding something. Mm-hmm.
3: just pretend dad
1: well it's only pretend until it's real and when you're a little older you'll be able to tell the difference until then take this on back and mama me will get your mooncakes for the fireworks deal
3: deal Mm. That's what you wanted, for me to be cruel. I had eight years to kill.
2: Having a worthy adversary helped
3: keep me sane. Was I, Master? Was I a worthy adversary?
0: On a hell of a show, and we're back again. We're back, yeah. One more time. Uh, so this show is uh based off of the graphic novel of the same name, Watchmen. Uh, It's also technically a sequel to the movie that came out in, like, 2009. Um, Yeah. And uh, so it's all about these vigilantes um, that, uh, and so, like, in an alternate uh, timeline, right, of, like, America and... In even in like the movie and stuff like that, um, Dr. Manhattan, who's like this big, huge entity who uses his powers to like grow and do all these different things, he helped like the U.S. beat Vietnam in the Vietnam War and things like that, which kind of cuts to one of the scenes that we're going to watch a little bit later. Um, so it kind of starts all the show starts in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, in the 1920s during the uh. Tulsa uh, massacre, which um, during the time in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it was all about black businesses. It was the black Wall Street and um, all these uh, white supremacists or just white people in general came into the town and literally killed all most of the people that were in that town in Tulsa.
1: And burned Um, all the buildings, too. They they
0: demolished everything. They made sure that uh, that they didn't want black people to do their own thing, even though it's like, hey, want to have separate. But, you know, at the same time, we're not going to allow you to be better than us. So bye bye. Um, And so that's where we meet Will. Um, He's a young kid who um, luckily survived um, escaping uh, the Tulsa massacre. Um, and then he also has this little child with them and then she grows up and I believe they got married together. I think that's the same kid. Yeah. And so what we saw in the clip was, um, Will and his wife, I forgot her name. Um, and they're talking about how, um, he is now a cop and actually able to, um, uh, one sec, um, Will was actually talking about how um, now he's a cop and now with his wife, she thinks he's more of like an Uncle Tom now, more of like a figurehead, more than actually going to make change um, and things like that. And so um, then he gets beat up by his own cops, like his own cop uh, companions, and uh, they almost kill him. Yep, They tie a noose around his neck. and. Yep looks like they're about to hang him and then they cut him down as like a warning. Um, and then from there he uses, um, that and starts to wear actually a mask. And so, um, he becomes a bit vi- like the first vigilante himself, um, called the hooded justice. And, um, so with that, he, um, When he becomes a hooded justice, instead of you know just being a black superhero, he has to mask himself because people will probably try to arrest him, kill him, things like that. And probably you know he saved a white woman, so I'm assuming if you know he's just a black guy trying to save her, that probably went a whole a whole other thing. Yep. Um, And so then he starts to put on um, white makeup around his eyes so that people can't tell. That he's a black man underneath um then kind of going from there he actually also finds out that he's you know he's gay and that's a whole other type of masking as well that's going on um and even yep. like when the superheroes that starts up this whole superhero league or vigilante league um just uses him um for once again just being like a face of something, so he's doing he's dealing with n two areas uh, um then kind of skipping forward, um there's this whole um secret organization called uh Cyclops. yes, watch out for Cyclops um and they're this pretty much this white supremacist group that's um undetected, and they use film. To hypnotize black people into getting angry and beating each other and killing each other essentially yep um, to even make even more white supremacist propaganda I guess um, Yep. then kind of going from there so then we find out that um, will and his son are all, um, connected to Angela, our main character from, uh, from now period in the timeline. So, um, we see that, uh, will make sure that his son doesn't become a vigilante like him and hide those, uh, hide who he is underneath a mask or anything like that. Um, cause he sees the anger that's in him and he doesn't want that for his kid, um, even though it's probably already done yeah so uh kind of going from there then we see um going to the future where uh angela is um is actually grown into like a little kid now um they're in vietnam and um right after the war ended and um her dad doesn't want her watching any type of vigilante or people with masks on because they always have something to hide. And then that's where we kind of get into another um, iteration of that generational trauma um, from his father, his trauma, then being passed along down to his kid. And then now he's passing that along to Angela. A yeah. whole lot of things here. But and then we skip to um, the end of the kind of. The backwards episode where um, she, Angela, was taking these pills called nostalgia. So, all throughout the episode, she was taking these pills called nostalgia, seeing all the like these traumatic memories of her grandfather and what he had to go through. And then that's why you kind of see her flash in between the scenes. Um, And then, kind of at the end of the episode, we see him using that hypnosis um, on this uh, police captain who's also a clansman yes part of cyclops um a lot to go into there but what do y'all think of uh the scenes let's go with vicky since it's her first time watching what do you think of the scenes
2: um, i'm glad you gave it a breakdown because you know I, I haven't watched this show i have to add that to my list but um i thought it was interesting that um angela is it
3: yeah yeah, she
2: can kind of bounce back and forth and relive some of these experiences that her family has had um but inevitably it's like she's being traumatized herself you Mm -hmm. know and reliving their experiences so that kind of ties into the generational trauma um and how a lot of that affects a lot of um people of color um, and how those things are dealt with, how we kind of um, experience those things in our daily lives, and our bodies. Um, A lot of us not even knowing that we have this generational trauma or things that have been passed on to us unknowingly. So I thought that was kind of interesting, um, just seeing her like in between the scenes and I was kind of confused at first, like, wait, what's going on? But now I understand. Um, And then the masking part, um, like how the dad was telling her like, oh, we don't watch things like that, you know, people hide behind masks. And it's kind of like prepping her for a lifetime of this is how we kind of, you know, um, deal with people or experience people. And I think that's interesting um, how he's kind of prepping her. Like, be wary. Like, I, I don't want to expose you to this just yet. But then how he kind of leaves her with that, that masking quote. So that could be all very confusing for someone that age if they don't understand the context of that. No, So I think that's interesting that that was brought up.
0: Yeah. So. And then she also becomes a vigilante herself. So mm-hmm. she doesn't really shy away from it. Um, She actually just becomes a vigilante herself. So yeah.
1: Becomes a. And it's so, like, does me- she have a choice?
0: Yeah, I think she. I think she does. Um, but that's the thing, though. I think, um, she has a choice in a way because she doesn't really know <laughs> the upbringing of her grandfather at all. Because he never. I don't think he ever mentioned him um, since they moved to Tulsa. So, no. um, I think that was kind of the thing. It's like she kind of made the choice herself to, uh want to be part of you know this group even though they're kind of outlawed anyways so because i believe that they find out you like go to prison or some shit like that
1: yeah she uh the choice so right after that scene that we watched her parents are murdered uh by a terrorist in vietnam so she has to watch that then her grandmother so william's you know wife at that time right she actually finds out that she has a granddaughter she didn't know uh so she, because there's some, a whole bunch of drama, but she ends up and go back and gets her. And she has a heart attack and dies outside in Vietnam on the cement. And so not only did she see her mom and dad die, she didn't see here's grandma comes out of nowhere and then has a heart attack. And when she's in the orphanage, uh, a police officer said, who did this, right? Who killed your parents? And she's this guy here. She said, you sure? You, you know, so they take the kid, the cops, and they go shoot that kid out back. Uh, which kind of nuts. And she said, and the officer hands the kid the badge, said, you're going to make a good officer one day. Thus goes her seeking justice. She always wants, the whole show is about justice. Right. And so she wants to seek justice. She becomes an officer. She's an officer in Vietnam. And then she falls in love with Mr. Manhattan. And then they move to Tulsa. And then that's when you know she they live happy, but then there's this whole white supremacy thing when they start murdering all the police officers. And that's when they become vigilantes and have to wear these masks, that yellow mask expense has on the poster. They have to wear those masks. Um, and then she realized not enough justice is done. She gets more angry, more violent because all her best friends died. She's just too much trauma. It's too much. And it builds and it builds and it builds. And now she's a straight up vigilante kicking the shit out of people. Mm. And treating them like they have no rights. Um, technically everyone she's beaten the shit out of is a white supremacist or a white supremacist adjacent. Uh, I'm not gonna make any comments on that. <laughs>
0: they also follow this guy, uh Rorschach, who at the end of the movie gives like his um like memoir um to like this newspaper, um, because um the guy who we've seen I forgot his freaking name he's like this white dude who pretty much is the smartest man alive the
1: void yeah i think his name or something.
0: he's like the smartest man alive and um so he made it look like dr manhattan like killed all these people um so that the u.s and russia would get along during the cold war um but rorschach doesn't agree with that and he sees like this like he sees like in this whole different light of things. And then uh, he dies at the end of Watchmen. But then these guys like this white supremacist group kind of take his words and kind of twist them maybe a little bit. But even in the graphic novel, um, there were like hints that he was kind of like racist. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Like all these, like he was pretty much, you ever seen like um, taxi driver Right, where he's like, all these people are fucking like scum and shit, like yeah, all, like all this. It's it's pretty much like that level okay. of like okay, race is kind of crazy and shit, like
1: okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a lot about this justice stuff. So obviously, folks watch this after we break this down. Then it might be yeah. good to go back and watch the movie itself from two thousand and nine. And then, yeah. like I told Spence before, this if you look at the best graphic novels or comic books ever written, this is going to be top one or two in most people's mm-hmm. rankings. Um, it's gonna be one of the top buys. Uh, so let's go to scene one, the dinner scene. Mm. Uh, I chose that because what Vic pointed out in the pre, in the pre meeting pre production meeting, yeah, she doesn't like that he's an officer, right? Might be thinking he's an Uncle Tom or one of those join in right? and that's still to this day. I got some friends Maybe. that joined the police. And you know there's you know there's this love hate well there's a lot of hate for police and then it's your own person that joins and you're like what are you doing bro? Uh Yeah, it's just, it's just like, weird. like I to be a part of
2: the change. This is how we change, right? We
1: join- supposedly. But then you but then you you feel like everyone least civilians like us feel like eventually all the cops twist and they become dirtier or darker, more racist, more violent. Uh the mental health outcomes for police officers is is horrific. Uh, mm-hmm. for anxiety, depression, and suicidality, substance abuse. Like, it, it is pretty bad. The life expectancy mm-hmm. for officers is drastically lower than the general population. Uh, I'm not trying to foster a ton of empathy here. I'm just trying to tell folks some statistics. Um, and I think that's an interesting point is, you know, she's saying all this stuff. And she's like, I don't even care about the cop thing. But they're going to give you a gun and a stick. What are you going to do with it? So she's thinking she's just gonna start beating the shit out of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not gonna lie; I feel like some officers do do that now. The power and control they get—the mask, which it could be that the badge—and they get that protected immunity stuff, and they could they can do, do what they want. Uh, it's pretty scary. And so I brought that up because. I don't remember what movie it was. I was watching a movie or a show one day and the black dude goes, uh, well, I'm actually in an Arab, grew up in poverty, father in prison, mother abusive and drunk. Um, and the, the dude goes, I'm just so angry. I'm so fucking angry all the time. And, and then the person goes, why? I don't even know why I'm fucking angry. This is just who I am at this moment in time. This is all I know is anger. It's like, Jesus, I related to that did not even know why I was angry sometimes. Um, it's not like the Hulk anger. It's it's more of like a in-your-DNA type of anger, hostility, resentment. A lot of it is just straight-up depression. I'm not going to lie. A lot of it is just mostly depression because you were dealt a shitty-ass hand. Then people look at you as a, as a boogeyman because I'm large and brown or because Vicky is black, and they look at us and they project these things, that we're more violent. And so we're like, fuck it. You want to see violent? I'll show it to you. Also, violence is a currency. So if we were to present more weak when we were growing up, then we we're taken advantage of and bullied. And so you become the perpetrator now. And then you're fucking mad because you're the perpetrator now. You're so vicious cycle. You don't even know why you're angry. There's so many things affecting you. You don't even know why you're angry. So that's why I chose that scene. It's a wonderful metaphor on what are you going to do? I'm going to say one more thing, and then I'll pass it to Vic. Uh, I was talking to students the other day, Uh, uh, black students, and we were talking about jobs and having to put on a show and mask and code switch. And I said, uh, you know, everyone's sitting here. Y'all talking all that big game, that big shit right now. I said, a lot of y'all about to sell out as soon as you get into them interviews. And they said, we ain't selling out. Okay. (laughs) Well, money talks. You ain't going to be saying all this sideways shit and colloquiums. Like, you're going to do exactly what I did. And I don't, I hate saying this because I I want you to be able to be authentically you. And also, I know some things will have to be changed and then you'll be able to be more you later on. Well, I ain't doing that. I said, okay, wait and see. You think the world has really changed? It hasn't. You think the people in charge and doing these interviews are like you and I? It is not.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
1: They ain't, they ain't ethnic names uh on those rosters so i think some of them might took offense to that but i remember i took offense when my professor said you need to act white and you need to talk white a black woman she said you need to do these things to protect your family and i was like what the fuck hmm. i just, just thought yeah, i could right. she was right and i was like it. i thought right. I, was, I was just trying to read and write and she's like no you need to act white too <laughs> what the fuck uh
2: when I do so, interviews, go ahead. I wear a wig. I don't wear my natural hair. I wear my natural hair now because I've been wearing that for almost going on three years.
1: You got some but power But I
2: guarantee, looking back, I wore a wig to this interview to get this shot that I have currently. Because yep. my natural hair is just not, a, it's not attractive or appeasing for what I do.
1: It's politicized. Uh, mm-hmm. Hair, clothing, language is politicized into being congruently white. Um, and so I thought this was a good scene to tie many different things that f- affect many different people. And so today is not an autism-related uh, podcast. Today is more uh, trauma and race-based uh, podcast. Um. Uh, yeah. So Vic, in that first scene, if you can remember it, they're at the dinner, right? I was watching your face, and you were watching them talk, and then you saw how he had those flashbacks. And he saw the K- the Ku Klux member like shooting people, and you're like, "What the?" You're like, "Jesus!" Because they're just eating dinner, and then there's these people getting murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, what went through in your mind? I'm, I sure confused. Um, but what was going through in your mind at that time?
2: Um, I wrote, so I wrote down like this scene the black hood, like, um, just the history of of KKK. You know. Their version of justice and what is right—it was still disturbing. Like whether it was a, a white hood or a black hood, it was still disturbing to watch because you just think of um, the violence behind it, behind the mask, and what it stands for. Um, it, and for me, like, like seeing like uh, the Southern flag, the Confederate flag—it kind of. Every time I see one, it, it kind of startle, startles me. It makes me feel a certain type of way, like, hmm. And I live in Michigan, and I see it quite frequently um, in a lot of areas that would be considered rural. And I'm just like, I don't know how to feel. And I, I don't live in the South, but when I see one, it, it makes me kind of aware of my surroundings, and I pay more facts. attention and more alerts. Like, you know, I have to be cautious of where I'm at and my surroundings. Um so, when I seen the, that scene where he was wearing the hooded mask, it was just like, ooh, like, what did, sir, what are you doing? you a little confused here? Did we forget our role or who we are? Um, so, it was a, for me, it was kind of disturbing to watch. Um, and it, it kind of startled that Confederate flag sensation. Like, when I see one, it's, it's a very uncomfortable feeling because. For me, I interpret that flag for having a different meaning. Yeah. Just like I interpret the the white hood and the opposite of the white hood, the black hood having the same meaning. You know, racism, injustice, yeah, um, people being murdered, violence, all all of that.
1: Either one of you been to the uh Martin Luther King Museum in Memphis or no? No. So when you go in there, right, it's gonna take you through a lot of history. But the first, the first bit of it is like full regalia of, of the KKK, and those things are fucking creepy looking because it's you know full mm-hmm. regalia, it's full life size, and they're on like a mannequin. It's it's pretty it's pretty gross. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting thing. Well, that's one of my favorite museums because it's intense, and then you see people crying outside, inside. It, it, it's it's intense. Um, pop pops was broke down outside of it pretty bad um a lot of a lot of nasty memories to those things um spence Mm. and then i'll have you lead us through the rest of the scenes you're the one who wanted me to watch this probably two if not three years ago at least Uh, Mm -hmm. uh do you know when it came out or no
0: yeah 2019
1: 19 okay okay so it was you probably wanted me to watch it during the pandemic i would assume then Was it? It might have been before. Might have been 2019 because it was 2020 when the pandemic hit of spring and I was looking for stuff to watch.
0: Might have been like, yeah, a little bit before.
1: Might have been a little (laughs) bit before. Yep. Um, Because we definitely weren't even nowhere near talking about pod stuff. Any specific reasons why you were like, you should watch this? You knew I was kind of nerdy. You know, you knew I was doing social justice stuff on campus.
0: Yeah. I mean... Honestly, it's a great it's a great show to really kind of um, showcase things that are not really talked about. Um, Because honestly, it was really my um, introduction to the Tulsa Massacre. Honestly, I didn't even know that shit was like a real thing. I was like, "This actually fucking happened." Because they don't teach that a lot in uh, anywhere. Um, uh, We did get to see um, a little bit of what happened in the African American museum in washington dc um they had a section there for the yep also massacre and things like that but um i thought it was just an interesting um interesting show um to watch uh for that and then also kind of the they play with like the still the subtle um racism that goes on it's not always that um you know in your face over. Sometimes, yeah, it's not overt. Sometimes it's a lot of the times covert. And so, like we saw with the uh police chief in the beginning of the show, he was actually he acted like Angela's friend. Um, and like, yeah, she's amazing, like she's great and stuff. And then you come to find out he has a fucking clan robe in his closet, right? And it's like you never really know like who is who. And I think you that's don't. And that's the thing. And like, and people want to say, like, oh, you, like, hate the police and stuff like that? It's like, well, yeah, because you don't know who you're going to get at that time. You don't know if you're going to get somebody cool. You don't know if you're going to get somebody who's going to be trying to goat you into uh, doing certain things. Um, so that then you could be arrested or shot at that point. Um, yep. So I like the way that the show did it. And also, I just loved uh, Watchmen, uh, the first in the movie. Um, cause I never really re- read the graphic novel. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a fantastic, um, kind of switch to, um, how they kind of uh, made it like a, the movie into a, you know, a TV show, even though I think the movie's like two or three hours long. It's I think like so, yeah. Really, yeah. It's like, it's really long because I, um, the guy who made, um, uh justice league i believe he did that movie as well
1: i think so I his name the snyder guy uh,
0: yeah it was zach snyder i think who yep. did the movie yep. um and so i thought it was just a great um way to show and i loved how they brought in um race into the show they did it very well um yeah,
1: yeah. i mean it's matriculated in almost every scene every story yep. every plot i mean it's so nuanced and trauma uh first like i told you first couple episodes are slow and then i'm like yeah. i think it was by episode four or five i was like what yeah well, it's like you just I was like, I like around
0: the, i just like the fact how they like you know you never know what's gonna happen next there's so many twists and turns you're like this what's this old man doing by this hung police fucking captain or whatever you know and then just find out that you know he knew all along what was happening everything yeah
1: is intense. Uh, okay, yeah. So, because me and you were just starting to get really get to know each other then, yeah. And then I was doing some social justice work there, and so yeah, right. We were suggesting movies and all that, and so that's where it was made. I finally got to it recently, and I've been wanting to get to it. It just it just took takes a while when I'm busy. Yeah. Last two years doing a doctorate is been a fucking grind. Uh, I I finished technically all my homework. Uh, nice. It is done. Done, a, done. After this this past week, yesterday, after we did one pod, I was done. After we did the one pod with Spence, and then we did the next with Serena, I was done, done. And So yes. now I just You're have a present. I'm done. I just have one presentation to pass, which is easy for me, presentations. And then I'll be Dr. Zerka next Wednesday. Nice. Dr. Zerka.
3: Oh,
2: my God. Oh, my I'm God. I'm
1: excited. Oh, I'm super excited. I'm, Dr. I'm happy for you. Oh, it's awesome. What, I appreciate it.
2: What are you doing to celebrate? wow oh goodness wow. is that not
1: a good question to ask no, no it's a wonderful question it was supposed to be like a two and a half week long road trip and then spencer got injured and so now yeah. it delays that so we'll do yeah. like a a trip into probably uh niagara falls um and then we might check out toronto real quick and then if he can move some flights around we might see detroit but if not we'll just come right back home let will chill with us you for a day We go go gotta go to
2: toronto
1: yeah, we're going to try and see just, those two things.
2: Just get one of those scooters.
1: That's the plan. Yeah, let's think about getting one of those. Yep. So, so actually, folks, pause. We were supposed to do some on-site location things for the podcast in, a, in about a month from now. Uh, that is now put on pause. We will get to the road trip. It's just probably going to be like closer to the end of summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end of summer. But uh, yeah, there's some things. I got to clean up the house and fix up the house. Uh, Looks like Big Nas might be coming into that big job I told you about a couple weeks ago. So uh, things are going pretty fast. Um, Mm. But back to the scene. It's intense. Vic, I I recommend that you watch it. Uh, I do. I think you would really like it. Um, So we got the second scene which is with him seeing the kid. And specifically, I chose this one because you see, technically, we're not going to show it, but he kills all these white supremacists and kills all these, all these people and then lights everything on fire, destroy the evidence, and you see him watching everything burn. And then, boom, there's a flashback of him watching Tulsa burn when he was a child. And then it goes back to the thing, and he's just sitting there in it, kind of... Not even basking. I think he's just kind of traumatized in the moment of what he just did and what just happened. Because he snapped. Uh, and then he has to go home and he's dealing with all this existential crisis issues. He sees his son wearing the makeup, like Spence said, to act white. So I forgot that. That's one of the reasons, Spence, why he was so mad at his kid. Because he was putting on that white face. Uh, also, he doesn't want him to have the anger and the murder and the violence of all that trauma. He wants his son to be more innocent. So mm-hmm. it was he didn't want him to follow hooded justice and be proud of his dad because how can you he doesn't his father's not proud of himself because of what he's done. Let alone does right. want his kids
2: He doesn't want his, his kids to
1: Yeah, he doesn't want a kid to celebrate him. Uh, mm-hmm. for that, not for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's two things. And then I would assume there's also some gay shame as well in that in that moment. Um, yeah. but then his wife. This is shows that scene because of the first part of the burning, but then the second part, it's it. This is who you are. You can't let go of it. This is who you are now, this angry, violent man. And I and she's like, I fucking told you that you didn't deal with your shit. How do you deal with your shit? How do you deal with your parents getting murdered by all these clansmen? And now you're an officer, and then they beat you to death. You don't deal with that. There's yeah,
0: especially I'm, in the forties. I was not really there's Anywhere no therapy. You could
1: go for that no this is yeah. how you, you don't deal with that you you internalize it and you hate everyone hmm. I ain't even mad at him uh, I don't condone violence or murder but I'm like what fucking options do you have uh suspense and Vic uh what are you thinking what are you thinking? Uh, could he have done something to change his ways? Or was he good? Or did he do the right thing in stopping these fucking white supremacists? Was his wife right? And he's just an angry, violent man that will never let things go? Could he have gotten services or help? I have no idea. I believe that he played the cards that he was dealt. Yeah.
0: I don't think he could have done anything. Um, Because system that he was in hasn't it wasn't going to change with him there because uh, yeah. they didn't even take him seriously. Even the other cops didn't take him seriously. So he can't really do justice um like in like the quote unquote normal way. He can't really do anything like that. So he brought into his own hands. Now it's tough because it's like they're literally distributing ways for People of color to be like kill themselves, like kill each other. So it's like you have to at that point do it. But I think he probably, I think he turned his anger into something good. But that doesn't mean that he was obviously he wasn't proud of what he did. Um, so it's like there was nothing he could have done, especially in the 40s. Like, what are you you gonna do? Who are you gonna talk to about this? You're gonna talk to exactly,
2: and like like he mentioned like the times there's no resources back then for black people. And then how now it's kind of, um, just kind of reiterate, like he became his vigilante, he just dealt with the cars he was given. So mm-hmm. it's like he, he tried to wipe out the bed, I guess, as much as he could, but he can't wipe it all out, you know?
3: No.
2: So, um, it was a difficult time back then. Um, but it, all in all, it's a I wanna say it's good that we have shows like this because what if we didn't have a show like this? Spence may have never stumbled upon this history, you know.
3: Yep.
2: Yep. Um it's good to have shows like this because I feel like a lot of this content's not being taught in, in the schools and history's being erased. So
1: you may have a valid kind
2: of serve a, a good purpose and teaching moments.
1: Valid point because uh things are being taken from schools and maybe some people will agree and won't agree i feel like you listen to the pod then you might agree with this statement but there's being stuff taken out of libraries and schools and and uh i mean people might even hate me uh even some of my students i mentor you know they don't like some of these critical race theories they don't even know what the hell it is they just hate it and demonize it they don't even know what feminism is that these are feministic uh frameworks they just hate it um And they don't even know that my dissertation is based on feminist framework called critical disability theory, not critical race theory. Uh, And, you know, that type of stuff might not be taught in schools. And all it is is talking about the intersections that bring us to who we are today and all of our experiences, gender, race, sexuality, uh, economic status, all the intersections of you being a child, a parent, a mentor a student, an athlete, like all of these affect your daily choices. So every every single second, one thing, 50 million things are affecting what you do and what choice you make. And so these theories break down those things and and they help you see things in a more equitable way. So just, oh, this person's fucking depressed or this person's angry or because they were poor, they're just going to end up in jail. No, no, let's talk about all the other intersections that what maybe leads them in the pipeline to prison. Um, mm-hmm. I bring this up because this type of stuff may be frowned upon uh, very soon it's frowned upon in many areas now because everything is politicized uh, you can't even let people read shit now to make up their own opinions because everyone thinks that you're indoctrinating people if you watch this pod, I'm sure they're fucking thinking that we're indoctrinating you or diagnosing you with autism Me, you watch this podcast, me and Spence you know, we done shot you with we stabbed you with autism well, you're I don't know what condone violence. I do not condone a stabbing, but if,
0: but you know what, if you're stabbed with the tism, you're stabbed. That's
1: it. Spence, my dad said he watched the pod, and it was the one where me and you you said yeah, one of us had like the tism radar, and you yeah. and, and we hit up the we, we did the temperature thermometer on the head like oh, yeah. tism. Yeah. Dude, oh, uh,
0: Vicky just left.
2: I'm still here.
1: What the... Oh, your screen muted what oh there you are
2: that's there weird are. Yep, you're i back. didn't i didn't touch anything but it did it, it okay mm. i'm on my work computer so they're probably listening
1: oh my god okay. <laughs> Shut FBI. Up. they're talking about black people again <laughs> Jesus.
0: get rid of that negro
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's a woman too <laughs> oh my can't god. have that in here <laughs> can't have that um that was sarcasm, people, just in case you didn't understand that.
0: Was it?
2: <laughs> it, it was. Like I wasn't joking, guys.
0: Yeah, yeah I was yeah, totally was. joking.
1: Make sure. Um, <laughs> so that scene, uh, <clears throat> I put specifically down shame. Uh, Spence brought up the hating of himself and who he's become. Uh, mm. So, uh, because of you know, he's holding his uh, Denny's back as being black and in being gay, I would also say that uh, that, that guy, that white guy, who was that white guy's name? The the, the leader of that crew, the Minutemen. Oh, um, Captain Fantastic or some shit, something, something. The guy at
2: the very,
0: very end. Oh, no, no, no you no, didn't he see He wasn't it. in the show, or yeah. he wasn't in these clips, but sorry. he's real
1: quick. So, this, this, this rich looking white guy, um. Yeah. Well, it was fucked up. They were at the bank and they were stopping these bank robberies and they unveiled a poster and the poster was them escorting a black guy out from terrorizing the bank on the poster. Yeah. And he had yeah. to sit there and take photographs with it as a black man.
0: It was all a publicity thing. Pretty much. It was just like, yeah, we're vigilantes. Uh-huh. But it was for the white guy. It was all about, <laughs> um, just getting the PR and stuff like that. But then he, the actually will, told him about what was happening in this factory and told him all about that stuff. And this guy didn't, he was like, ah, just leave it alone. Whatever. It will be fine. Don't worry about it. Cause he didn't really want to help at all. He was a, probably looking at him as he's probably, you know, whatever you can say, he got a little jungle fever. some shit. I don't know, yeah.
1: That's what I think it was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think so. And so he's looking at him as, not really a person or even like a vigilante, more just as like a figure piece. Yeah.
1: They were going to use him for his strength and his PR because, you know, he's the first vigilante. And so they wanted to use him because people were terrified.
0: Which, by the way, that kind of goes with how, you know, people, black people, have been always used for more of like thinking like they can only be used for their strength their like speed and things like that um, rather than their intelligence and what they can bring mentally instead of just physically so i think that was a good representation of that too it
1: was a good representation of of people of color specifically black folk not being heard or listened to so he's like oh no you're crazy those racists aren't doing anything in your town you don't know what you're talking about he's like i'm at the factory now yeah i'm getting ready to burn down. burn down a
0: synagogue is literally right here
1: yes He's like, Oh no, you're crazy. And so that even made me think about my students I was talking to when we were talking about the healthcare system. Uh and black women having these really poor rates of healthcare outcomes and uh infant mortality. Um mm-hmm. and, Which you is know, this I, month? What is? This month. This is the month what April. Whatever?
2: What you just said, this month. Oh, okay. And Got also it. uh section awareness this month. Oh,
1: there you go. This is a month. Um All right. And so I thought Mm -hmm. that tied together some things, too, is people just aren't listened to. Right. We just talked about you, Vic, a a personal story about one of our friends. Um, And I said, make sure that your brothers talk to this person because gender is a thing. Masculinity Mm -hmm. is a thing, and thus they will listen to the men. I understand that they may not listen to you, and it sucks to hear this, but maybe have them use it because I know we can weaponize Uh, certain things to get people to listen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hate explaining those things, but I know certain things work. And I have to prepare certain students for certain things that if they're shorter or women or more feminine, not gay, not flamboyant, but just more effeminate, more Mm soft-spoken, more kind, more empathetic, uh, people will not take them serious. Uh, And so I have to say certain things to make sure that their voices are heard. The other day I was talking to a boy I don't care if you don't make no eye contact with me. I don't care. This is not a neurodivergent boy. This is a shy, anxious boy. I said, and there was a group of people. I said, from now on, when there's a presenter or someone in the room and it's a white person, you look them in the eye. If it's anyone trying to punk you, you look them in the eye because I don't want anything to think that you're weak. So with me, I know you're avoiding me because you're anxious. It's fine. You got no reason to be scared of me. But don't do this with any white bodies in the area. You will be seen as less than because you looked away. Any of my people that have been uh, hurt, abused, anything like that. They always want to like shy away when they see that person in public, this and that. I, I try to teach mine little by little. You can maintain eye contact and you don't have to look away and put your head down. That shows weakness that they control you, that they own you, you're mental. They still rent space in your head. You can look away, but you look away slowly. No facial expression like that. But don't put your head down and avoid. I don't want you to go down and, and be seen as weak. Some of these things are just mental games. Mm-hmm.
3: It's
1: a mask. But this is a good mask to let no one know, like we just talked about Spencer the Irishman. Mm. You I'm your therapist. I made you strong. Don't no one fuck with you no more. No, no, no one I, I no, no no one fuck with you. As long as you're with me, we're gonna be good. Uh it's intense, but that's legit how I come off in therapy. Um
3: I
2: like it. Oh, gotta I teach be my st- oh, I teach my
1: assertive. students. My students will are going to win. Uh, they are going to win. So the news thing. But he fucking clutched onto that news thing at the end. There. I'm like, God damn, what you gonna do with it? <laughs> like, so yeah. I was kind of concerned. I'm like, is he gonna
2: go hang himself or is he getting
1: yeah. hanged? I think that he was manifesting what his wife just said. This is who you are. Latched onto it. Boom, fast forward, he's an old man. Getting ready to kill this white uh, racist uh, cl- clanman as the police chief. Right. Not surprised.
2: That's mm. more common than we think.
1: When I first moved to Indiana, Spence, yeah. I might have told you it was a while ago. It was 2020 I moved here. They had got a fucking Klansman in the, who was just inducted to be an officer and they booted him off the force. And so it's like Jesus Christ, what did no. I do? It was in this town. That's where, that's in where this, this town.
0: all started. <laughs> I know the clan started there. So fucking Indiana. Did
2: I tell you guys the story when I worked at Bowling Green? When I was coaching there, so I did a recruiting trip with the current head coach that's down there, Lou Snelling. And I drove us from Bowling Green down to Bloomington to recruit think- some high school kids at a state meet. And he's a quiet, you know, conservative white guy from Florida. And we never really have much of a deep conversation, you know, just strictly about track and, you know, the team. So as we're driving into Bloomington, out of nowhere, out of no context, he says to me, did you know that so-and-so is the president of the KKK group in Bloomington? And I'm like, what in the fuck? Mm -hmm. With no context, And so I'm just like,
1: hmm. It's weird.
2: Very weird, very odd, strange that you would bring up this random fact. So I hit him with, no, I didn't know that. But did you know the first black fraternity started at IU? Oh. And he was like, oh, I didn't know that. And from that moment, I was just like, I can't fucking work here. I resigned like probably two months after the fact. Yep. And he told the kids, he told the girls, like, I, you know, I quit or that he fired me or whatever, but I, I resigned. Um, but I remember being at that high school meet at IU and coach Liken at the time that was at Western before he got fired for being called a racist. Um,
1: it makes sense. I kind of Western.
2: linked up with him for the day. And I was just like, I can't be around that dude. Like, it, I, I couldn't believe that left his mouth. I, I couldn't believe it.
1: People, people but- sketchy, man. People.
2: It's people like that there, and to think that this man still has his job. And I had a parent reach out to me maybe a year after I left, and I went to Heidelberg, and she said, you know, I can deal with overt racist men, but it's the covert ones that concern me because mm. there was a girl on the team, black girl. She got a scholarship taken because she didn't go to study tables. Meanwhile, there was a white distance runner who stole something from Walmart and she was told to go and apologize. That is a big difference Difference in punishment.
0: Apologize to Walmart?
2: I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a big difference. And so the the mom told me, she said, You know, I grew up in Kentucky. I was on a softball team. My coach, you know, he would have his KKK uniform <laughs> in the back, and he'd give me a ride to practice and home. And I'm listening to her, and I'm like, Are you fucking serious? And she's like, Yeah, like it was no big deal. Like I knew who he was. He wasn't hiding who he was. It was just, no. that's who he was. And,
3: Hectically. you know, he
2: was a cool guy at practice. And afterwards, he dropped me off and he'd go to his meeting. And I was just, like, mind blown. Like, what? Right. But she was saying, you know, she's like, I, I don't like these northern states because you don't know who you're dealing yeah. with. You can't see who these people really are. Once again, these masks, right?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you so, can't, she, literally couldn't see him because he was wearing a fucking <laughs> mask on his yeah. face so.
2: He's, he's you know, the, the guy a that was a her softball coach, he's not masking who he is. That's who he is. Like, he's like, yeah. He's yeah. just
0: the Klansman. What are you going it to do? Right? The Klansman. Hey, and where?
2: she just said it all nonchalant. And I'm just like, I. as I'm listening to her, I'm still dissecting. It. I'm like, I, I understand where she's coming from. I understand mm-hmm. her experience. Yep. Um having lived that experience, you know, working at places like with a, a loose knowing. It's like, I get it, I get where she's coming from. It's like, I really know who you are up front, up close and personal versus you smile on my face, like, oh, you're doing a great job, but really I hate your fucking guts. Like, it's real out here. And a lot of people who aren't black or persons of color, they don't understand that until they've had that lived experience or had similar experiences to know what that is like. So when you guys kind of, you know, we talk about the masking, it it can go both ways, whether you're a person of color or whether you're a person that's not True. a person of color, you could be wearing a mask.
1: True. Oh. oh yeah, we all wear masks. I Me and Spence have talked about it in almost every pod about neurodivergent masking and assimilating and fitting in and mm-hmm. social anxiety. But this is a different type of masking. This is hiding and repressing something. And and racists, it's mostly some of you racists that is listening, because there are some Confederate flag. Moments. I liking some of our posts. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. like, "What? Why would you like our posts? I don't get it." Um, but thank you. I
0: don't
1: know. <laughs> um, I love that movie. <laughs> I love that little black boy. Now I'm like, oh "What? My god. That was a white oh, person." I can, I, I know, can, I can tell. Man. I can do white people's fair game. um oh my god. <laughs> um. But it's, it's, it's interesting, man. It's scary. Uh, you know, divergent folks, most of my students that I work with are, I love when people are blunt and honest with me because I don't know how to read into all this shit, True. all this niceness and propaganda. Tell me what you mean. Tell me what you say. Mm-hmm. You know, do you like me? Do you not like me? Um, I also have a lot of students that don't even understand racism uh, because they right their, their minds, not all, many of my students' minds are very innocent, very naive, And so they see people of color, they hear all the things, but they don't really formulate why this is a thing or why people are scared of people or, or why there's internal bias. It's confusing for some. Then I got some that on the spectrum are completely black and white and they are more conservative or more into their more things or religious things, and I got some that are more liberal and they spot off things like, you know, all certain parts of the population should die because they don't believe what I think. And I'm like, well, this is intense. Uh, I don't we, I don't think either polar opposite or extreme is healthy. Um, but many of my students are very naive to many of these things because they don't understand. It's usually when I can tell someone's neurodivergent is when they're just asking me questions about humans and humanity. They're just lost. They're like, why do people do this? Why do I do this? People just do this? People just get married and like live happy? Or people just go to work nine to five. It's a lot of like, why questions? It's, it's quite wonderful. Um, it's a lot of teaching. It almost feels like you're teaching a young person. Um, the masking is a thing. Specifically, this one is the anger. Oh, this is what I was getting at. So racist. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of insecurity. It's a lot of shame in who they are. It's a lot of fear that they're going to lose the piece of the pie, their class, their status, their money, their wealth. And for some of the people that are poor and extremely racist, you know, they already know that they're at the bottom of the totem pole. And then if they see people of color move up, then what does that say about them? Because there's this thing that they've hated and demonized is the reason why they're poor, but now they move up. Uh, so it's all about climbing up the ladder and kicking people while they're down or under you. Everyone's trying to climb to the top of the ladder, and everyone's willing to kill everyone, technically, in society to get to the top of the ladder. But racism, it's interesting. And it all starts from the top. It's all about, you know, the rich people tricking the middle class to hate the poor people. That's how it was back in the day, too, when they they took these—they saw black folk getting to vote, and they got land and all that stuff. And then they said to white people that were poorer than them at the time— You're going to let them be smarter than you and then do this than you, right? And so then they were able to subjugate and enslave the black folk by getting the poor folk to turn against them as well. When you can get everyone to hate each other, then the rich people are just doing their thing, collecting their Mm -hmm. money and being happy. Moving along. Moving along, and then it's us just like killing each other. It's part of the reason why I didn't like the Black Panther, the second one I told Spencer, because they had black versus brown, indigenous versus black. I'm like, okay. And then it's all instigated by white people. I think the French at that time, uh, and yeah, the exactly. Americans in the beginning. And I'm just like, I don't like this. Uh, I don't didn't feel good. Um, me and Spence did a movie, a clip from Atlanta where they talks about racism and the white dudes in the boat and it's creepy as shit. Racism kills all of us. You don't know it, but you're dying inside as white folk. You're dying inside as people. The racism literally kills you internally. Everyone. The hate, the fear, the shame, the guilt, the anxiety, the pressure to live down to something or up to something, in expectation. The monolith of what it is to be black or brown. The monolith to be an officer and to live with that mm-hmm. pressure to be a good one. Uh, right, the person that I know that's an officer has already been... Very traumatized on the job, yes um uh it's all a tough situation. life is tough. I told a student life is fucking tough mm-hmm. and then to hold these marginalized identities it's 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 fucking insane and spence he's black in the forties, already traumatized and gay oh. yeah.
0: yeah he's got a lot of not uh, going against him yeah in society
1: yeah. Thank God he wasn't like a uh, disabled or like a woman at the time. and <laughs> He would have a superfecta.
0: Like, Jesus. <laughs> You're just making me want to just... you making just me want to
1: hate you, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I wasn't
0: going to say it. I
1: know. Uh, so let's move over. Get away from the symbolism and the metaphors of the news, holding on to it, anger and all that. Let's move into part three. Uh, that little girl... Plays Angela, mm-hmm. it's the cutest fucking girl I might have ever seen in my entire life on TV. She's the daughter, and this is us. And I literally just hope she stays that size, like <laughs> her entire life. But I know this isn't true. Some
0: like reverse steroids. Just be like, shh, shh, shh
3: stay.
1: As yeah. <laughs> uh, she's walking. <laughs> You got the Benjamin Button disease, or you don't get old; you just stay hung Peter Pan. Um, (laughs) It's a good story, either. Uh, She's so cute. Do you watch This Is Us, Vicky, or no?
2: I don't. I watched a couple episodes. I have to watch it from the beginning. It's kind of like it's like Grey's Anatomy. It's like if you don't watch it from the beginning, you're not going to get it. And I'm a huge Crazy Anatomy fan, so it's like, I'm going to have to watch it from the beginning.
1: So if you do want to watch it, you technically only need to watch like the first two seasons. You'll probably continue watching all of it, but the first two seasons is the heaviest stuff. Hmm. Um, But yeah, she's one of the daughters, and she's just super cute, super innocent. So then she's in this. The dad says that thing. We don't really have to therapize this a a lot, Um, but it's like a precursor. The dad's like, don't do this. Then boom, he has the flashback. PTSD is now in William's son. And it's the fear and anxiety, the shame, the guilt, all of it. You know, people in mass, Dad was in a mask. We don't do that anymore. He was trying to be a good man, and then he ends up getting killed, and then she ends up going into that justice. Yeah, justice. I don't know. Justice, maybe that's what we'll go. Justice is a weird thing. I guess justice is in the eye of, of the person.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I keep hearing people marching, no justice, no peace. I also feel like there never is really a full conclusion or justice. Just because someone got murdered by an officer or something like that, okay, they go to jail. Maybe they don't go to jail. I feel like it's never it never brings back the person.
3: It doesn't.
1: And then the damage that is done by racists or politicians or people that do things or laws or owners or... Even if they get fired, the damage is already done. The people are already appointed. The life has already moved on. Legislation's already been passed. I feel like justice is a weird thing. Uh, I'll say this and I'll stop. I was talking to a student about thinking too much thinking too much they're trying to solve everything at a macro level and that shit is terrifying it's going to be impossible to change the world but you can change worlds within yours and you can kind of move through that slowly i was actually talking to one of the coaches that i was good friends with um and we're talking about how he's being wants to advocate for mental health um, but he's in a situation to where it is not allowed and seen Mm -hmm. as weak and feminized Um, and so thus this is a big boy too big strong boy And he's actually kind of getting bullied in some situations. And so I'm strategizing on who he could talk to, finding allies, this and that. And I'm hitting some roadblocks and I'm seeing that he's trapped. Uh, I won't speak any further on some things. Um, And then I said, okay, I'm gonna have you do this with your athletes. You're not gonna hold a fucking seminar. You're you're gonna try and get some allies and talk to the counseling center and integrate some things in athletics. I want you to literally work out after, because I've seen your workouts. They're fucking hellacious. Before you get into the lift... You'll do the warm-up and the stretching. Then I want you to practice with them some deep breathing. Literally take two minutes, two minutes and do a deep breath. And then I want you to teach them before every major set to focus on their muscles, identify their objective for the lift in the day. Breathe, go. Open their eyes and go. You said, okay, I can do that. So I want you to do that for every warm-up and whenever they hit their first set. I can do that. I said, that will increase mental health outcomes and they'll trust you i also need you to look up the laws and ask the person that's involved for like title IX and all that stuff and is it okay if you ask about mental health thing because if you ask someone about if they are suicidal it drastically decreases the rate of the chance that they'll take their own life um so that person needs to find out if they have to report it, if the person does say that they are suicidal. But there are some breathing things, some safety things we went over, and then asking that one major question as students come to him in a crisis. Um, changing some worlds, not the world, but some worlds. With some of this racial stuff, it's overwhelming. With some of this generational trauma stuff, it's overwhelming. I told you, Vic, before, this, a student that, uh, I want to get rid of my trauma. I want to. I want to, I don't want the trauma anymore. I don't want to deal with it. Right. I just want to move forward and like be better. Like okay. Well, I can't get rid of your fucking trauma because I'm not fucking Mr. Manhattan. Can't just zap some shit away. Uh, Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. We
2: would be I, rich as therapists.
1: I'm trying to tell you, um, I, t- I, you know, though, you know, you come to me though for the trauma therapy, and then you know, is a side effect. You get the tism. <laughs> like what the fuck serious note here. I can I can give you a healing, but you won't know, do just... <laughs> Um Jesus. Uh I said, okay, let's change your nomenclature. Let's change the way you say this. I can help you with your trauma response. That's what I can do. You're, the way you respond to it and making sure you don't perpetrate the shit on other people. So Vic and Spencer.
3: Mm.
1: Anything in your life, you don't have to be too in detail. Uh, I'm not looking at traumas. I'm looking at, have you changed any like small trauma responses? Have you changed the ways that you've moved throughout life because of experiences? You're like, I'm going to do better. There's some things that happen, I'm going to do better. Whether it be things that happen with you or things that you've learned and watched, or maybe things that you're being a better person, a man and woman moving forward, a better mother, uh, Vic moving forward, a better friend moving forward. Um, we can't change some of these good and bad things that have happened, but we can change our reaction and our responses to them. So that's why I would like to finish off the pod. Then we'll talk about treatment and diagnosis. What are y'all thoughts on this trauma response thing and growing?
2: With that being said, me personally, um, going through cancer, divorce, um, change of relationships, whether that's family or friends, a lot of different change in dynamics and friendships, relationships. Um, I think for me, what I've learned over the last several weeks is letting go what people think of me, knowing that my story or point of view is not gonna be heard or told and letting people think what they want to think about me or what they think they know what happened it's not my concern to be concerned about what other people think of me um and I, I'm kind of at peace with that and not being angry being this angry black woman and <laughs> wanting revenge and all this stuff it, it's it's too much effort it's too much time consuming um I'm at a different point in my life like I, I'm always saying like I'm too old to be doing this I have so many gray hairs I, I'm not even kidding I have a great eyelash I have a great. Eyebrow here. I have grades all throughout here. I've gotten to the point like I have to just let things go and live my life and be happy. I I can't worry about what other people are doing or saying. And I think me as a therapist, I'm always preaching this to people. And it's like, I gotta start taking my own advice, you know. Um and not only that, like I'm gonna give Stephanie a shout out because she she really does give me the advice I need. And it's like, damn, like, that was really good. Like, she should be a therapist. It's sometimes, like, when you go through stuff and you have these blinders on and you hear things from other people or your your families or friends, and it's like sometimes you kind of just need to take a, a step back or take a, a deep breath and just kind of, you know, reflect and, and think like, okay, what is this really important in my life? Where can I let this go? Can, like, what's some shackle leave? You know, I, I got a lot of luggage or baggage going on what's some stuff that I can let go that I don't need to keep taking or carrying on. Yep. So that's kind of where I'm at in my life. Like just kind of like rebuilding my identity and what's important, what's not important and letting go of things that serve no purpose to me. So
1: those gray hairs, that's kind of where I'm at.
2: I hope that makes sense. And I hope that, you know, my little personal disclosure helps someone along the way
1: those gray hairs remember what i said in the in the pre-production do you remember what i said uh, about about something about a word wisdom do you remember that mm-hmm. so wisdom wisdom is painful
3: mm-hmm.
1: wisdom is lived experiences and there's going to be a lot of shit in that wisdom uh, so you can pass down some wisdom to your teachings through your traumas in life um right you can you know You pass it down, but it's tough to get. Sometimes people just got to go through it to gain that real wisdom, and so your gray hair is just wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's the toxicity leaving your body.
2: Yep, and that's okay. And it—that's so funny you say that. I've had so many people. I haven't done therapy in a while, but I've had so many people I've done intakes on over the last several months. And when I say it's like, man, this shit is hitting close to home. It's like. (sighs) I understand their lived experiences because I've gone through it. And so it's like that connection you built with them. You're just like, when they walk through the door and they're like, yeah, I'm going through this or this happened to me. And it's like, fuck, this is, I fucking get it. You know, Mm -hmm. versus have someone walk through the door and you're just like, yeah, I don't like, I hear you. It's like, no, I hear you. I get it. So So, um, it's been very humbling. To have those experiences, despite some of the things I've gone through, but to to be able to connect with people and understand and help them, yep, and to be able to walk away um, when they walk away from my office, you know, knowing that I did did something that was helpful for them, moving forward in their mental health journey. So, yep, it's very rewarding.
1: I remember I pushed you one day. I was in the car outside the weight room, and I and you were on the phone. And I asked her, are you happy with things? You said, I still got places to go. I said, I didn't ask you that. I said, you're happy with your accomplishments that you've done. And you're like, well, you know, and I said, no, I didn't I didn't ask for no uh, fake news shit. I didn't ask for no blo- bloviating. It is yes or no? Mm-hmm. And you said, yes. I was like, okay. Hung up on you. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, but sometimes we need to be pushed like that. So you've gained mm-hmm. wisdom. It has been painful, but now it's helped you relate. You also know that your experiences, what we talked about, the intersectionalities of your life, the generational trauma and the things that they have dealt with, all of it affects you into the decisions and choices that you make. And then the rest of it is just playing the cards that you're dealt. It's a very fucking weird world. You know, You know, we, was, we had this thing planned. I told Spencer, uh, this, this, I didn't manifest this shit. I said, it's weird. I don't feel like we're going on a vacation. He said, mm-hmm. I don't know why, man. Maybe it's because the school's ending and this and that, and you're nervous and this and that. So I just feel like something's weird, man. I don't know. I said, maybe because we didn't buy any plane tickets. I didn't buy one. He said, oh, we're going. Don't worry about it. And then it gets injured. I'm like, oh. <laughs> existed in that moment, and I knew it was going to happen. Um, I, uh, you know, you just never know. Well, I brought that up because you just, you never know what's going to happen.
0: Glad I mean, who knows? Could uh, find that only
1: example. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm I'm leading into something. Uh, here we go. But this is go. me bloviating, You know. You no. Yeah. Okay. I hear. Who knows, man? We could have been driving and then got fucking killed, or we could have been a bear would attack us are or you some shit. Saying that, I'm just what? saying, your Achilles I mean... might have saved our lives. <sighs>
0: Thanks. Only and way. we're still going on the trip, you jackass. But later
1: on, later no, on. I can't he...
0: run. It's just... even worse. <laughs> See, you're fucking with the
1: whole... Oh, no, I'm gonna push him down. I'm gonna shoot him right in the middle. You,
0: know you think he's gonna save around. me? What? <laughs> Dude has a gun. He won't use it. He'll just be like, push me in the way. Just yeah. be like, Save it on bullets.
1: He got them good drumsticks. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um bullets are expensive. I can't be just shooting. they are cool
1: <laughs> uh spence yes what do you what are you thinking about about the past about the current about being better or different or changing changing your responses to things
0: I know technically
1: I the other that. day, I told you to pause real quick before we did something, so I mean yeah. that was one instance of it,
0: yeah. I guess play less basketball. Apparently, that's I'm <laughs> learning to do that. It's hurting me. Apparently, um, I don't know. It's just like subtle things have changed, like my personality. Um, for example, just like just more being myself, but then also being more vocal on what I want to say, things like that. Because I always get sometimes I get really stuck into like not saying anything or not saying something because i didn't think of it at the time and stuff like that so it's more about just mentally being quicker and making sure i don't get taken advantage of like in some instances that are happening at this moment so yeah i don't know it's yeah stupid but yeah um yeah i always just try to make sure that i'm you know just growing becoming something someone i'm not really like ashamed of uh being i guess because um, sometimes especially when i don't speak up or i don't say what's really on my mind i really just hate myself for doing that because it's like why am i not doing that you know yeah i know i'm tougher than that feel kind of like a cowardly in a way sometimes when i don't speak up um or if i just kind of keep my mouth shut when something's happening All that stuff. That's where I've been trying to work on. Sometimes I still get caught up in it. it really sucks. Um, Gives me, like, makes my stomach not when it happens. Like, if somebody starts, like, yelling at me or something, and I just don't say anything, I'm kind of just, like, because I want to, like, keep a job or something. Yeah. That's when I'm kind of, like.
3: Mm-hmm
0: kind of hate that but it's like it's a weird restraint because i can't you know you can't just be like yelling at people all the time so i guess no
1: uh what you talked about i feel like a lot of our neurodivergent clients are going to relate to one thing is they're getting spoken over yeah um right people speaking over them or cutting them off or pushing them to the side and so i know in a lot of relationships as well a lot of my neurodivergent clients will just go with things They'll just go and go and go. And then I'm like, okay. So I told you to bring up these things months ago, these concerns, Mm -hmm. these problematic things. I told you this wasn't good. And you said, oh, no, it's fine. And every time we we talk about you're going to have this conversation, it doesn't happen. Well, it got better. Did it? Did it. Right, Because we're talking about the same shit now. Um, And so, you know, it's tough articulating yourself, expressing yourself. A lot of us will gaslight ourselves out of saying what we wanted. Oh, no, we're being dramatic or, you know, it's not a big deal. No, it is a big fucking deal. Like, your partner's not showing up. And this isn't, I said this to a human that I know. I said, they could never meet your needs. You had to do what you had to do. I'm proud that you ended things. Uh, and they said, I'm not that needy, Nas. said, you read that wrong. You read that wrong. I said that person will never be able to provide, you know, because of them. They don't have it in them to communicate, to be joyful, to do some of these extroverted things that you enjoy. They don't have the ability. That's not them. And so you're two different people walking this earth. It's got nothing to do with you being needy. Uh, You like to talk, you like to text. You're gonna to need to be with someone that likes to talk and likes to text and likes to communicate. That's not you being needy. You're just finding someone on the same wavelength. Uh, sure. So if you like to text, you know I would be the wrong person to talk to because I'll send you yeah. like three words. They're all gonna be misspelled, you know, and then go fuck yourself. So or just a uh,
0: thumbs up, just like,
1: yep, yeah, I like every single thing you say. <laughs> <laughs> and then as spence knows you'll get my bullet text will be three words next text three words next text instead of yeah. one long text yeah one of my clients said i got seven emails from you nazir seven emails you think you could have just said one fucking email with the things uh i said you know what i hope you stay in your horrible relationship and then covered the camera oh my god uh lovely person, but when I email people on BetterHelp, if it's one line it sends them a separate email. So if I do one line, enter, and in the instant messenger it sends a separate email. Yeah. So Spence, I think a lot of people relate to that. It's hard to find their voice.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that's what Vicky's saying too though, just different things. It's hard to find their voice. Because uh, of my ADHD and my own neurodivergence I've always had the voice, but I've had people push me and foster me dr ruthie in st mary's took my chain off took my mm-hmm. leash off i was thinking about that how i'm going to talk about that in the interviews i need guidance but there can be no leash uh you can bark out something to me and then i'll go in a different direction but the leash has to be off for me to do my job right. uh, and every time i do a presentation or, or, or a therapy i'm always like super scared that i'm in trouble for something and i literally feel like a little dog that just like mm-hmm. fucking pissed on the floor uh because I'm not sure if they're going to tug the leash. Uh, and then I have to assimilate to the, what they want me to do because I'm not like other people. Uh, still, to this day, I get weird when anyone's like, oh, I want to sit down in your therapy, your outreach. I'm like, no. No. Because like, my why? voice... My, yes, my voice is comfortable with my students, but it's not comfortable with other people because since I'm still in fear that people will reject me, I don't even mm-hmm. give a fuck about anyone else. You know that. Yeah, I only care for a handful of people. after that it's like okay well i hope you do okay i don't wish bad on you Mm -hmm. um but i sure as hell don't want to be ostracized or looked down upon i don't want to be seen as dumb ghetto unintelligent (laughs) autistic autistic meaning i don't want people to think of me like ew like how can you be a counselor if you're if you're on the autism spectrum Uh, that's why many of my friends don't say that they're on the spectrum that are counselors they don't fear Mm -hmm. um so finding your voice is hard, Spence and uh, Vic. Yep. So we're all in our 30s? No, Spence, you, you in your 30s yet or no? 28.
2: Oh, he's a baby.
1: He's oh, a right. baby. Yeah,
0: baby with so many surgeries. I can... It's It's always, okay. it's I can always experimented baby. <laughs> on Jesus Christ.
2: Hey, I had Rituxin injected in my eye through U of M, and then I was told by my radiologist, they weren't supposed to do that, only through IV. I'm like, oh. Sounds like anything. Mm, yeah.
1: Fun. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't so even know it what to say after mind. that one. I hate but... you
2: of them. That's why I hate you of them Okay. <laughs> supposed to be the
1: best of the best. Yeah, for real. Now you're like full on Michigan State, Ohio State fan. Yeah. yeah. Diehard, Ohio State fan. I know. I saw you at the <laughs> game. I was like, fuck you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, my kids enjoyed it, damn it. <laughs> Um, raising little Buckeyes over
1: here Jesus so <laughs> these things mess with us and Spence I'm sure you grew up being more hush mouth quiet mouth uh, oh, yeah. uh, holding your tongue uh, for me it's been learning on how to for you to unleash for me it's been hold uh, learning to hold my tongue more with my ADHD hmm. And then be comfortable with me being off the leash and people not judging me. Vic, you're in a whole new area of finding yourself, right? Because everything is new, um, which is exciting. And excitement and anxiety feel the same in the body.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So a lot of it's shedding our old stuff, our old ways. New, right? It's just learning, growing. I saw a friend posted before on a messenger thing. He's like, "I knew I used to be toxic. I'm just trying to be better than the person I was a couple of days ago. Forgive me right. for the, my transgressions. I'm fucking trying." I was like, this is a cool post. I'm going to repost this post. Yeah. Yeah. I get your mistakes. Could have been bad. As long as you're moving forward and you're legit trying. Because you always know who's trying and who's not trying. Definitely. Yeah, clients, friends, relationship people. You know who's trying and who's not trying. Uh, I did not put a diagnosis for him. It's pretty straightforward. Will, all of them have severe trauma and PTSD. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's a hard, uh, due to racism, due to death, due to violence. Uh, statistically, there's no way Will should have lived to 105. That's fake. Uh, he should have died very early. He probably in real life would have died at the police station when they tried to murder him. Um, but statistically, his cortisol levels would be super high. So him and the rest of his family have higher rates, all of them because of genetics heart disease stroke uh diabetes uh like high blood pressure can- all different types of cancers he would win the what's it called the jackpot of fucked up health outcomes
0: right
1: uh, and that's why you see health outcomes so hard on black and brown folks native folks so much drama to dissociate from the trauma well you know we turn to like substance abuse different things uh because of these situations of poor education, poor health care, poor nutrition, as we talked about in the last podcast, about how exercising or going for a bike ride in your neighborhood is a privileged thing. Um, Why well, life is tough for a lot of people that live with these fucked up traumas. I got clients that have been physically, mentally, uh, sexually abused. And, you know, it changes everything moving forward. Can you be healthy and fall in love? Yes, it changes a lot of different things. It may make some people fall into trauma easier because they'll pick poor relationships. Some of my students, they'll be more isolated and hermited and they'll never talk to anyone. You just never know. Uh, yeah, you never know. I got one of those fucked up emails this uh, today from the weekend. I fucking hate weekends uh, working at a university. Uh, but yeah, um, things happen. People get hurt. Uh, You get to choose on who you respond to it. Surround yourself by support and resources like Vic said. Do your shit. Take care of yourself. Keep grinding. As I told one of my clients, keep your head up. Keep your head up at work. Keep your head up. We'll talk on Friday. Don't kill anyone. (laughs) That part. (laughs) (laughs) Number one. Looking at one of our co-hosts here. <laughs> I, you're not a stabber, I know.
0: No, <laughs> definitely a shooter. Um, oh my
1: god, <laughs> we do not condone violence. Just people? kidding. <laughs>
0: whatever. I've spent so many goddamn shootings. You can't be like, "Well, it just happened." I'm like, "Yeah, happens Which every one? fucking day."
1: Yeah, literally, I get like three on CNN uh, and the Fox News. Yeah, there's another one. What does it mean fucking... you can joke about it? Yes,
0: it does. Yes, yeah. it does. It's intense. I can joke about whatever I want. Whatever. It's everywhere. Uh, <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm I'm wrapped up on things. Yeah, I'm good. You good? You good, Vic?
3: I'm good.
0: All right. All right. And with that, uh, thank you everybody for watching. Uh, Please (laughs) like down below, subscribe, do all this stuff. Um, Also, visit our website, get some merch. Do it all. It's cool merch. Buy it. Buy it now. Still waiting on mine. Well, it'll, it'll get there. Did Eventually. you buy some? I did. Oh, That's nice.
1: Not... It's going to take five weeks.
2: <laughs> oh, shit. You guys didn't some people did that.
0: not take that long. So just, <laughs> just,
1: yep. you.
2: just out of curiosity, do you guys happen to have any, like, you know, tall sizes?
1: I think it goes all the way to 5X. I think so.
2: But would it be like 5XLT?
1: Uh, the, there are some XLTs on, on the website. Not all of them have XLT, but some of them do. I remember looking because I'm w- weird bodied, not wide bodied, weird bodied. You have size, goddamn. A. I, I was
2: gonna get three XLT, but I didn't see it available, so I was like,
0: Looking at different shirt for some,
1: yeah. Looking for a different shirt and a different hoodie, uh, crew neck. It should be on there for some of them. Me and Spence saw they were on there. XLTs, yeah.
2: Okay. All right. So, five weeks, guys.
0: Say, say five weeks. Well,
1: five I mean, weeks. It's legit five weeks.
0: I mean, it was five. All right. I'm not getting into this. Let's yeah, not do this. It's fine. Um, <laughs> shut up. It's
1: like, stop it. Right.
2: Stop it.
0: Thank you, Vic, bye for copying to on. Thank you, guys We are out of here. This is a different special podcast. Bye. bye, 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 bye. <laughs> <Fucking A.
3: laughs>